Hello, and welcome to season two of On the Rocks. I'm your host, Olivia Noseda, and I'm so glad you're here. This season, we're discussing the many ebbs, flows, joys, and complexities of friendship. From aligning our values with our inner circle to navigating a friendship breakup, On the Rocks is shedding new light on this topic of wellness that's been overlooked for far too long. Let's get into it. Okay, so I'm having this moment right now. I'm looking at pictures from last night. We, my brother, literally, here's what I hate about my brother. Love him. But also, he got me a really great birthday gift that was super meaningful and thoughtful that I'm never going to be able to top. And of course, when my parents found out, they were like, oh my God, your brother got you the nicest gift. And I'm like, great. So he did something nice for me and also secured his spot as a favorite child. He got me tickets to go see the Giants and the Dodgers. He got me really good seats. I love baseball, something you may not know about me. I grew up watching baseball. I think it's probably a Cuban thing, but anyway, it was such a fun night. Tom and I went together and we got sandwiches. I got these like massive deli sandwiches from Luca's Deli in San Francisco. I brought a bag of chips and I'm just, I'm looking at pictures right now that I took of me holding my souvenir cup filled to the brim with Diet Coke. I, this is a whole like wellness chat now, but it's so crazy to me how far I've come in terms of my like quote intuitive eating. And I saw this TikTok video the other day about how this guy was explaining to his grandma in Uganda about how absolutely messed up diet culture is in America that we literally have to have a phrase to like repair our relationship with food so that we can eat and drink what we're craving when we're craving it. And he was like, how do I even explain that? And that made so much sense to me. But I'm looking at me with this big, massive thing of Diet Coke. I would have never done this three years ago. The idea of, first of all, I don't think I drank soda for probably 10 years until I went to Greece this last summer. And then I had a Coke Zero, which by the way, it's not even like the diet, the Coke Zero. It's not about the no sugar. It's truly about the taste for me. But, and yes, I can taste the difference between Coke Zero and regular Coke and I have tested it. So thank you very much. But I would have never done this. I hadn't drank soda since I went away this summer and I was just craving it, I was like, I want a Coke Zero. That's what I want. I need it. And I just fell back in love with it. And I don't drink soda often. Honestly, I really love like Poppy and Olipop and all that shit, even though I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I react weird to Stevia. So again, it's just like about what I like. And the fact that last night Tom was like, should we get a souvenir cup of Diet Coke? And I was like, that's literally all I want. And we did it and we drank it. And I have not even thought about it for a second today. That is amazing to me. That is progress. So if you go to any sports games this summer, or if you're just right now feeling like, you know what, I really am craving a Diet Coke. I give you permission to drink that soda and drink it up, put a lemon wedge in it, go to your corner store and get yourself a soda. We have such a great guest today. This friendship season is one of my favorites. I Here's the thing about this season that, for example, like with the Sober Curiosity season, last season, so incredible. 
also really serious. So I was like kind of scared every interview I did. And also I learned a ton, but like there wasn't as much application into real life as I think this season provides. And oh my God, the amount of application to real life that I have been able to put into my friendships already after this conversation with Miss Erin Falconer. She is a writer. She's a digital entrepreneur and a psychotherapist. In 2022, she released the book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, Finding Meaning, Connection, and Boundaries in Modern Friendship. Forbes magazine named Falconer's blog one of the top 100 most influential sites for women. She is such an influential voice in her work and is continuing to break boundaries in our culture. I am beyond stoked for you all to hear this conversation with Erin. I'm going to let you go do it now. Do not forget to like, subscribe, rate, share, do whatever you have to do for this podcast to keep us going. I love you all. Enjoy your Diet Coke and enjoy this conversation. Talking about the rain in LA, it's been like the thing that this winter has just been a fucking nightmare. I mean, I have like a bungalow. It's so cute. It's like been around forever. I feel like it's going to implode on its – like it's not built for this weather. It's like hell withstand the like earthquakes, but not this rain. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And I feel like everything I see, like people showing the hailing, and it's like snow on the ground outside. It's unreal. Well, I guess you – it's like the one thing in LA that you like pay for. That's what you pay for is the good weather. Yeah. I'm from Canada. This is – legitimately why I came here. No. Wait, where in Canada are you from? (laughs) What part? I'm from Winnipeg. I was born in Winnipeg and then I kind of grew up in Toronto and Montreal. And now my family lives in Vancouver. So when I go back to Canada, I go to Vancouver. Did you move to LA recently or have you been there for a while? No, I've been here like 20 years. Okay. So I need to know how you started with this book. I need to know, like, I we won't talk only about the book, but I'm just so curious how, like, because I feel like friendship books weren't really a thing like three years ago. Or four no, years yeah, ago. I know. So it's a longish story, but I'll make it quick. So my first book is called How to Get Shit Done, Why Women Need to Stop Doing Everything So They Can Achieve Anything. And that was very grounded in like the female empowerment space, redefining what female productivity could and should look like, blah, blah, blah. So that book did well. And then, you know, after the press tour kind of died down, I spent like the next six or seven months looking at, you know, what could be the follow-up. I went down a ton of dead ends, really didn't land on anything that, you know, I was super excited about and was getting really frustrated. And one morning at like 6 a.m., I woke up kind of half awake, half asleep. And this phrase, how to break up with your friends, was just like there. And I was like, what is this? I tried to go back to sleep. Couldn't really. For the next couple days, I feel like over the course of the next couple days, it just kind of this idea just like kept coming up. I push it back down, kept coming up. And it wasn't until I was sitting waiting to meet a very good friend of mine who outwardly I would have called, you know, a BFF, long-standing relationship, and she's chronically late. And I was sitting there and I was getting really frustrated waiting for her. Like really, like it wasn't frustration. I was getting angry. You know, it turned into kind of anger. And I stopped myself and I was like, what's going on here? That Like the degree to which you're having feelings over your friend being late outweighs the like crime of it all, you know? And so 
I started looking at the landscape of the friendship. Like how long have I been feeling this way? There's obviously a lot of pent up frustration. And as I was kind of sitting there going over the like, you know, the last 20 encounters we had, I realized that instead of actually being total best friends, there had been a really big chasm that had grown between us. And I wasn't sure exactly where it started, but I definitely felt it like in when I was looking at the recent history of the friendship. And I was like, wow, this is so interesting. And so what I kind of had this epiphany where I was like, the information is good, but I can't believe this is the first time I'm doing this. Like looking critically at one of these relationships, like a friendship. I started to do like, look at all of the people I let, you know, my friend came, blah, 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 went back home and started like writing down all the people in my life. And I was just shocked to find all of this information. Like the way I thought the friendship was, was not actually what was going on. And it, it wasn't that I was like frustrated in all of my relationships, but there was a lot of stuff that I just hadn't even like taken a look at ever, you know? And like, that's a lot can happen, especially if you've been friends with somebody for like a decade. You know what I mean? Like a lot of stuff shifts and changes. And like, we never take the time to reorient ourselves in these relationships, not the way we do with like a romantic relationship or a family relationship. And so I kind of had this light bulb moment where I was like, you know, we are a society that is obsessed with information about ourselves. You know, we know every calorie, every gram of protein. We wear stupid watches that tell us every step we're taking. Marie Kondo has us holding up chairs and sweaters and asking if they bring joy. And yet in this category of relationship, friendship, we've got no eyes on it. And so I started to like cobble together this idea. And when I was looking at like, why is that? You know, why is this the one category of relationship that we don't like roll up our sleeves and do work around? And I'm a therapist. And so I started to look just in the world of traditional therapy. And in that world, we have individual therapy, family therapy, couples therapy. Right. Nothing for friendship, right? And so what that kind of meant to me was that out there in the zeitgeist, there was no collectively agreed upon language of how to navigate conflict in these relationships. There's no like blueprint about how to get into new friendships, how to get out of existing ones. And so there's no real challenge to kind of, even if you do the audit, which we're not doing, which we hadn't been doing, even if you did the audit, it's like, okay, now what do I do with this information? How do I communicate any of the stuff that I'm feeling or the things I found out? And so that was really the genesis of the book, of the idea of the book is to create language around starting to normalize being really intentional in these relationships, especially for women. And I thought this was an amazing idea, you know, and I sold this title February 22nd, I think, 2020. Three weeks later, we went into national lockdown. And then who could have possibly predicted how important like this idea would become where we're all kind of ripped into our micro bubbles. We can't see or socialize with any of our friends, certainly, you know, right at the beginning. So there was kind of this reckoning, like, who do I miss? Who do I not miss? Who am I like dying to, you know, have a Zoom happy hour with? And who could I like absolutely not care less about having a Zoom happy hour, you know, which was our only form of really, you know, seeing people during that time. So anyways, that's a very long answer to the 
I mean, no, that's such a beautiful story. And while you were talking about it, it made me think about why, and you kind of answered this, but like why we're so resistant to take a deeper look at our friendships. Yeah. I almost wonder if it's like this, like you're supposed to have problems in your relationships. We go to couples therapy because we know we're going to have problems. Right. Like we get in one little fight with our friends and it's like, hold on, I need to reevaluate everything. Everything. And so I feel like I personally am almost so resistant to take a deeper look at my friendships because I'm like, my friendships should just be here. This is the level they should be at. They should exist here. Work doesn't need to be put in because I don't have fucking time for that. I have a career. I have a partner. I have a family. Uh So do you feel like that's why we're so resistant? I think that's what we, why we tell ourselves we're so resistant, right? Because that's a compelling argument. Like, But when you think about what a relationship is, a relationship without work is not a relationship, really. Not something that is like super meaningful and super like ingrained in who you are and something that's invested in like where you need to go, right? These really healthy relationships should help shepherd that, right? And within those relationships, you're going to have conflict. The goal is not to have conflict-free relationships. The goal, because on the other side of conflict, is amazing growth and amazing depth, right, within the relationships. If if you're in a relationship that's conflict-free, nobody's really invested in that relationship, right? Not to the level where you're going to self-advocate, where you're going to fight for something. And I don't mean fight like in a dramatic way. I mean, just really stand up for the relationship. Like this, we can do better here, right? So we leave a lot on the table with these relationships, even though like as a society, we're always, especially women are always like my tribe, my blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we're leaving so much on the table. What I think the problem is though, why we resist them is because what we need to do in order to have truly, you know, foundational and highly functioning relationships, the first step is starting with yourself and really understanding what your needs are, who you're, who you are now, right? And, and in real time, checking in with yourself. And I say there's four questions you need to be able to answer. Who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? And where do I want to go? And until you have the answers to those questions, and this isn't something you scribble down in five seconds, it's like you sit with these over a couple of weeks, maybe months, depending on you know how separate and disconnected you are from yourself. And once you get those answers, then you can start to look at the people in your life and say, okay, now what relationships really fit who I am right now? And I think we're a society that is so codependent on chaos. Mm. The volume of chaos is so high that the idea of turning it down to zero, even for 10 to 15 minutes a day to connect with yourself is so terrifying for people because we're so disconnected. That's what I think the real resistance or hesitation is because with friendship there you don't on the one hand it's like this isn't as serious as a relationship of like somebody I'm committing romantically to the rest of in theory to the rest of my life you know we're not going to share finances we're not going to raise kids we're not going to blah 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 all of that what whatever that stuff is and yet that to me, that means you actually have the opportunity. There's so much freedom in these relationships that you can really show up just as yourself, who you want to be in the world, because you're not having to compromise and make all of these stressful long-term life decisions. You have the opportunity to really show up as yourself, be seen as yourself and supported as yourself, and then do that for other people, which is like the most powerful thing I think you can think of for personal self-growth, right? And so mm-hmm. these relationships really have 
tremendous power. We're just not tapping into it. Wow. I haven't even thought about friendships like that. And that's such an empowering way to think about it, like you said. I think it, it is really freeing and it does kind of give you this different perspective as to like why you should put so much time and energy and effort into yeah. your friendships. I So I have a question. So, okay. I have like a group of friends, right? I have a specific group of friends that I kind of think of as friends that are good for me in certain ways and good for me in other ways, right? Is that okay? Like when we talk about the four questions, like where am I? I wouldn't necessarily say that some of those friends feed into like where I want to go, but I know that they serve different and specific purposes in my life. Can can you speak to that? That is absolutely. That's like one of the most critical parts. So we also have this idea and we certainly have it with our romantic relationships now that all of the people in our lives should be everything to us. You can imagine how much pressure that is in a romantic relationship, right? Because it's impossible. The only person that can be everything to you is you, right? Then you're slicing a pie and saying, now, where can I find the things that I need? And it can't, it shouldn't be all of the people, right? That's too much pressure on these relationships. And, but yet we do that. It's just like, you're my friend. And like, I put you in this category, right? It's all encompassing category. You don't need everybody to be everything and also it's not possible. What you need is to have a really clear kind of idea of which what each relationship brings to you and what you bring to it. And those different relationships should bring different things. And then they're not all going to have the same weight. To do the work that you need to do to have these really like robust relationships, it's a math equation. You can't have 100 people, right? You, right. So you got to be selective in who that kind of starting lineup is. And then you want that starting lineup to be really as diverse as it as possible, right? Not just in what the offering is, but you want to have people that are nostalgic, you know, who have known you a long time that can kind of finish your sentences, understand where you're really coming from where without, you know, you having to spend a lot of time kind of explaining yourself. But then you want people that have totally different life experiences, come from different places, you know, because each of these relationships unlocks a different part of you, right? So mm-hmm. again, it's this is a book about relationships, but in the end, it's really about how can I open the aperture as wide as possible on who I am and explore that. And the best way to do that is relationally, ironically. So yeah. And so understanding like, for example, I'm really introverted and I would rather st- spend every single night at home, right? But if every single person in my world was introverted, or at least on that starting lineup, I would, this is a very small and narrow existence for me. So by design, even though I don't hang out with them all the time, I have a couple of really good friends that are super social, super, you know, extroverted. They're constantly trying to rope me into plans. We've had many conversations about, you can invite me all you want. I'm (laughs) rarely going to show up, but when I, but keep inviting me because I will show up. And I'll be super irritated the day that I'm like, oh, why did I make these plans? And then time and again, I go and I'm like, oh my God, this was so amazing. I feel alive. Like I feel different parts of me opening up. I don't do that all the time, but when I do, but I do make a commitment to do it kind of routinely. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so grateful that I, you know, that they're in my life, like those relationships, even though I don't see them all the time are super foundational for me. They're because they expand my world. And so that's just like one example of how 
I can't have everybody that's in my world trying to like drag me into like happy hours and all that stuff because that's not me and that would be exhausting, but I got to have a one or two. I love how you're talking about how you know yourself so well that you're able to kind of tell your friends, this is who I am. I need you to keep inviting me. I feel like we we get yeah. like resentful of our friends who don't keep inviting us, but we kind of put ourselves in that position. I'm totally. introverted as well socially. And like Wait. sometimes I'll be angry while I'm like, oh, they didn't invite me. And I'm right. so, but like I haven't showed up to the last 10 things that they've invited exactly. me to. It's- and I haven't said anything. Right. So yeah. So to them, it's like, oh man, she's not interested in my life, or maybe I'm bothering her, or maybe what you know. And so that's the conversation. Hey. I would love for you to keep inviting me. I feel really special when you invite me, you know, knowing who I am, I'm not going to show up, but I will show up one out of 10 times. And so I really appreciate it. Is that okay for you? Like, is it really frustrating for you to keep inviting me? You know, because I don't want you to feel frustrated either. It's just, you know, I don't want either of us to feel like we're compromising too much. So mm. how do you feel about that? Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. And mostly they'll be like, oh my God, thank you for telling me that. I, I never know whether to invite you or not, you know, it, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So again, like there's so much talk about boundaries and boundaries. And what happens is I feel like, because a lot of people aren't doing that, that self audit, right? They're not, you're, we are not clearly exposed explaining our boundaries to people. We only know when something's been crossed and doesn't feel right. It's not up to the other person to be a mind reader, right? So, so many times we have like these like explosions either outwardly or inwardly, like, I can't believe, well, why? You haven't communicated that this is a problem, you know, that this is a problem for you or there's something on this behavior, right? And so, but a lot of us don't even know what those boundaries are because we haven't really sat down and say like, what's our not, what's my non-negotiables? What are my must haves? What are the things that I just like, you know, whatever. So until we've done that, it's kind of fair game as far as I'm concerned. I mean, obviously there's some just known bad behavior that people shouldn't be operating. You know, you don't have to tell people obvious things like don't be rude. Don't, you know what I mean? That then that's where that's a different conversation. But like, this is a perfect example, the sending of the invites and the receiving or not, you know, and RSVPing or not RSVPing. This is a really good example of like, if people, if we could just have a little conversation about it, not heavy, just right. like, Hey, it's like, that's the other thing. Understanding that like, if we're proactive in this, as opposed to reactive, which is what we are 99% of the time, I feel like in these relationships, they're not heavy, like sit down, we need to talk. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I noticed you sent me a lot of invitations. You know, it doesn't have to be this big, like, it can just be like, right. hey, it feels like healthy. And the more we practice this, even less, it's going to feel like, you know, again, this big, serious, weighty thing. No, it's just having an open dialogue and talking about, behave, you know, how we're behaving and how we're feeling in these relationships. It happens all the time in romantic relationships. Right. Well, it's like, I'm so used to the, even my therapist telling me like, your boyfriend can't be a mind reader. And if, you know, if you, there's a story I heard forever ago. It's like, if you tell him you don't want anything for Christmas and then you walk downstairs and he didn't get you anything. And you're like, why didn't you give me something for Christmas? And so we know in our relationships to be very, and upfront and honest with our partners. I've gone too far now. I've like planned my entire birthday. I told my boyfriend, like, this is where I want to stay. This is what I want to do. But I totally get that. And I want to know, now I'm curious, how did you talk to your friend who was chronically late about their lateness? What did you say and how did you go about that? 
So yeah, and I talk I talk about this a little in the book because because it was a really com- hard conversation for me to have, and this book is kind of written like my first book, in the sense that I do a lot of self experimentation, like as I'm going through it. So I obviously have I feel like words of wisdom and not a lot of knowledge on this topic, but also I'm using myself as kind of like real time. How would something like this exactly go? And so the person that kind of being late, that kind of started off this whole, you know, idea, I ended up sitting down and talking to maybe like, I want to say like, like three or four months later, it was like when we came out of the first wave of right. right. Yeah. We had to get Yeah, it was like we were in quarantine. And then I think it was like end of summer, beginning of fall. And we, I was like, you know what, I'm really I have to sit down and confront this. I mean, so she didn't know we were going to have this conversation. We scheduled to meet up. I had my full thing of like what I was going to say to her got to the place. And then of course she was late and it was unbelievable because I was sitting there. But now I was kind of watching myself from above. Mm. And just the thought process of being taught talking myself out of having this conversation was so so much great information i was immediate like you know what i don't know i don't know if today is the right day like i know that she's had this really hectic thing with her son and she's a single mom and da, da, da. and like my mind starts going like into all of these excuses and I watched my heart rate. Like she wasn't even there. And I'm like spinning these different. You know, I'm stressed for you. This oh is my like God. So I was stressful. Like, it was, it was super stressful because it feels so extra. I was like, right. I was like, oh God. And that's what I was saying to myself. I think, you know, I think you're just being so extra about this. Yeah. Like you're just friends. Like, so she shows up late. Like, and by the way, it wasn't just that she was late. Like I realized that the late was the Catalyst. thing. Yeah. And then I was like, actually, there are a lot of kind of other behaviors here that, you know, I don't want to go too into them because she knows she's in Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the other thing she would she would do all the time is she would be late and then she would so I would that would be irritating. And then she would show up and she'd spend the first 10 minutes in like a total overwhelm explaining what had happened, why she was late. So it's like right. now we're 40 minutes, you know, she's 30 minutes late, 10 minutes of the story. It's like, I, that's not why we're getting together, right? right? So anyway, she plops down, gets starts to go into the, oh, the traffic, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, just, you're going to have to, rip, in my mind, I'm like, you're just going to have to rip the Band-Aid off on this. And so I was like, you know, I actually want to talk to you. So I started talking to her. And the truth is, just the opening of the conversation is the hardest, right? So you want to really have it kind of scripted in your head and practiced in your head. My advice is to practice these things out loud because it sounds so much different coming out of your mouth than it does in your head. And it's not nothing more than like two or three sentences. It's just to get it started, right? And then you want to just have a general idea, you know, two or three talking points. This is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm feeling right? I'm feeling frustrated. When I looked at the frustration, I was noticing that there's some habits here that I think are really, you know, counterproductive to the friendship, you know, and you always want to lead with, especially if this is like a longstanding relationship, that why you're doing this is to be protective of a relationship that has a longstanding history of being really meaningful in your life. So the idea is that you're trying to protect this relationship And this is why you're having this conversation. So that often will really like lower defenses as opposed to like coming out like 
you know, you don't quite know what you're saying. It's emotionally reactive and it starts to feel like an attack. And the person starts to feel like, hey, I just came for a margarita and now we're crying. And yeah. So, and sort of, so she was very kind of not, I felt like I was really kind of had practiced this. And she was like, what, what? Anyways, once we got things kind of calmed down, it was also a little awkward because a waiter kept coming to take our my literal nightmare. Yeah. I'm like, I would be shaking, crying. Yeah. Literally like, I'm like Margarita. And he's like, and then I like, he's like, salt? No salt? Yeah. Oh my God. I like, I don't even, you know what I mean? Just uh, like, whatever. Oh my God. So reading the happy hour menu, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this is terrible. So yeah, it might be better not to do it in a restaurant, but you also want to, and then, no, this is the thing. Then it turns out that once like things were calm and understood that this is not like a massive rupture situation, it's like a let's get to, just let's talk about this. Right. You know, she had a lot of things to say about me as well, which I think was really cathartic for both of us. And that's another thing. You have to be prepared to also receive. You know, if you open something up, it's very rarely one-way traffic, you know. So you've got to be prepared to say, you know, she might bring things up. Am I ready to handle that? Am I ready to take responsibility? Am I ready to really have a conversation about this? Because you don't want to then get thrown off and then, you know, so it's really about being grounded and being open to like accept what is coming your way as well. And then you really do have to consider the actual person. The idea is I always say that it's best to lead with the kind of the most courageous act, which is in person or at least on the phone, right, to hear voice so you're not guessing you know, punctuation or nuance. And also, you know, just it's a scary thing to do. And I think that it is respectful because, you know, of the fear factor. So you do want to try and lead with that. Again, if this is a longstanding relationship, you're not going to do this with somebody you've been friends with for six months, right? right. Like, like it's not necessary. But you need to look at is the other person highly defensive, highly emotional, highly reactive, because right. then you're not going to want to spread. Then you saying this in person is going to feel like, again, like an attack. They won't be able to process what you're saying and just throw it back on you. So that's not, you're not going to want to have, do this in person with somebody like that. You're going to want to send a really thoughtful email so they can have their big reaction, mm. walk away and then have something hopefully to come back to and maybe start to like metabolize and then maybe respond. So that's the other factor you want to look at. That was my next question about friends who feel highly defensive or highly emotional. I feel like I have certain friends where I know if I'm, I mean, I even talked to my therapist about this. I'm like, I know if I bring something to them, it's going to be an earthquake of emotion. And then I'm on the other end, like, oh fuck, what did I do? So my question is what you're just talked about, which was such beautiful advice. And I'm literally just trying to mentally know all of it right now. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this. Is that a friend breakup or is that you initiating? Like, should you go into a conversation? I guess my question is, should you go into a conversation saying, knowing whether or not you want to be friends with this person or not, what do we, what consists as a friend breakup and how do we take the next step if we're realizing that we don't want this person in our lives anymore. Yes. So in this example that I was talking about, I was, after I sat and looked, you know, after that lunch, that first lunch where I was, you know, kind of got this idea, I spent a lot of time looking in depth at like, do, is this relationship 
still something that makes a lot of sense for me, you know, where I'm at right now, what I need. And we had been friends for a very long time. The thing is that length of time is not a strong enough reason to be in a relationship. Even, But even after looking at that, I was like, you know what? There is so much history here. There's so much love here. My intention was not to go in and break up with this person. Now, if I had gone in, expressed honestly my feelings and tried to communicate them as best as I can, and that was like a deal breaker for her, and she was like, I just can't, and had like a massive emotional reaction, and then we act didn't want to like process with me, and then if it went really bad, I would then... I would have to make a choice. And I right. knew, I was like, if this relationship can't hold the weight of whatever we're talking about right now, which isn't even too crazy, then this is, then I can't. Then I'll have to take this to the next level. The conversation where you know that you, that this is over for you and you're just trying to end it is you have to be pretty prepared in this. Like you, you have to, this is where you have to have your words pretty clear, whether you're sending an email or in person or on the phone, because that emotional reaction is going to be bigger. We're just not used to these friend breakups in this, in like the formality of this kind of friend breakup, right? And right. so it is until we get used to it. I mean, and it doesn't matter. Even once we get used to it, breaking up with somebody is never easy. I'm still not over mine. I feel like mine was very, like my big one, you know? I feel like we all have friend a big breakup. one. Yeah. yeah. I had a friend breakup and it was a friend who I really considered a sister. Yeah. And I'm still, it was a few years ago and I've like tried to reach back out, which I'm curious to know your opinion yeah. on reaching back right. out. Yeah. Very reactive. I had kind of been fed up with the bullshit right. for so yeah. long and right. something happened. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this, which is kind of why I'm talking about it, but I had been fed up for so long right. and then something happened where she was really mean. And I was like, why in the fuck am I dealing with this person? Yeah. You're like, done. Yeah. And yeah, I was done. I felt like I had been almost like rude to myself by being in this friendship. I was like, what am I doing to myself? And then I wondered too, and I wanted to ask you about this. When do we know that we're part of the toxicity? When do we know that it's us? You know? That's the thing. So, so two things. If we look at your example here, Right. And this is kind of like sim in a way similar to my, my my example in the sense that we just like been frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. So this idea of having like a really keen aware self-awareness of how we're feeling in these relationships is so important. Right. Because I think like we feel irritated, but kind of just like, okay, I'm irritated again. And we don't stop and spend any time on it, right? So the first thing is to really be intuitive about the way you're feeling and spend some time because, right, there was a chance for this not to be big, a big blowout right. reactive, right? If we just addressed it, you know, a year ago or 18 mm -hmm. months, whenever, I'm not sure like how long your thing was, but we didn't. Right. And then it's great. It becomes its own thing, right? And so- there were so many probably missed opportunities to mm -hmm. just put awareness on the behavior that was showing up in this relationship. And then again, like if she couldn't handle the weight of having this conversation, then you're kind of like, okay, maybe this isn't my person anymore, right? And that's a hard truth, I think. Yeah, sometimes we don't want to deal with, right? right? That's why we're not like we're so like, oh, if I don't talk to them about it, maybe they'll just stop. Maybe they'll they just can't read. Yeah, maybe they'll change. They can't read my mind, but maybe they'll change. Right. And then I won't have to have this discussion with them and our friendship won't have to end because 
I do think sometimes we we look back with rose-colored glasses at all of the good times we had with friends. Totally. And especially friends who have been there for us for a long time or like you said, a very nostalgic relationship. I think yeah. it can be hurtful, but I'll let you continue. Yeah. So, so when you have, first of all, there's no process within the friendship category of relationship of grieving, right? That's other end of this. So we don't do any, a lot of forethought in the relationship. And then we don't have any kind of process once something like this has ended. So like if you break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it's totally acceptable to be at bed, eating chocolates, having right. girlfriends take you out or you know, guy friends taking you out for drinks, take your mind, you know, and there's a whole, you know, you can be glum and down for like, Basically, as long as you want, within reason. You know what I mean? But you have a breakup, especially if it's like an emotional breakup with a friend that's been in your life for a long time. And there's just no, it's like, get on and get over it. And we often get over it by identifying the other person as the bad person in the relationship. You know what? I'm so glad I got out of that because she was a piece of shit. And Mm -hmm. so we haven't processed anything. We haven't processed the way we felt. We haven't learned anything. We've cast blame on the other person. She's toxic. He's toxic, whatever. But the problem with that, and toxic is another word that like I hear so often, right? Like, yeah. And I'm just like, I hate this word. There is a a very small percentage of the population which is just truly toxic, that are just truly bad people. But the truth of the matter is a lot of these people that we're talking about it's not the other person that is necessarily toxic. They may be behaving badly, right? But we are allowing that behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Continued showing up in these relationships is allowing that behavior to exist. And often these people have other relationships that are working just fine. It's just the other people are not allowing that bad behavior to exist in whatever fashion, right? And so right. when something like that happens and like a blowout happens or you're just even real time in the relationship and starting to feel like, it's not, it's, you've got to identify as the relationship is becoming toxic. How am I contributing to this? What in me needs to take, stay in something where the other person's behaving badly, right? And I talk about a friend example that I had like 10 years ago in the book that was like, at the time we had a massive blowout, you know, and I was like, she's crazy. It's over. And yeah. it's, you know, and then I walked away from that being like, good riddance. And then I had this epiphany, you know, as I was writing this book, being like, God, but what in me needed to stay in that relationship for so long? Let's talk about seed, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things. Well, there are no bad things. Listen, if you've been following me on Instagram since literally 2018, I think, you know, I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic for five years. That's insane to me. That's longer than literally any relationship I've ever had, which makes it safe to say that Seed is, well, my life partner. When I tell you I was just at the dermatologist, she asked me about my probiotic and I told her I took Seed's DSO-1. Her eyes lit up. She loves Seed. I love Seed for many reasons, but mainly because incorporating a symbiotic, which means it's a prebiotic and probiotic in one, into your daily routine is crucial for skin health, digestive health, and so much more. I know that it's one of the most simple yet effective ways I can show myself daily love. Exclusively for my podcast listeners, that's you, Seed is offering 25% off your first month with the code on the rocks. And when I tell you, you will not regret this purchase. Head to the show notes to grab a link, which is also seed.com slash on the rocks. Back to the show.
And it was a situation mm-hmm. where she's one of those people that always feels like I, we all kind of have a friend like this that feels like her life is in chaos. Like she's either being yeah. kicked out of her apartment or her cat needs like $5,000 surgery or like her hair salon burnt down or like, you know, so, like so you're just going to be the one more thing. If it's just, you... it's always, yeah. Right. And so I would come in as this fixer. She would call right. me and like in tears and like, Oh my God. And it was like, you know, breaking news every time she would call. And I would, what would I do? I would roll up my sleeves and like problem solve and like right. use all my resources and try and talk to her, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day I would like call her, we'd like figure it out or there'd be reasonable solutions on the table. And I'd call her and I'd be like, or text her and be like, oh my, you know, how are you? How did you sleep? And it would be like, good, you know, just like as though nothing had happened. And meanwhile, right. I've been like reeling because this is like par for the course for her. But she pops in and out of my life with crisis and I'm like reeling, like trying, like I feel like totally beat up. Right. And I'm like, you're fine? Like last night you were hysterically crying. Like, right. and I was talking you off a ledge. You know? Right. You know what I mean? And so anyways, this escalated in a huge thing. And I was like, but what in me, I wish I had said at the time, like what in me, I have this like God complex, right? Where only me, I can, the only person that can fix this for her, right? Nobody, she wasn't calling anybody else. She had a ton of friends, but she was calling me, right? So was this me having wildly inflated ego or really weak ego that I needed to feel like this? So anyways, I don't know because I'm not, this is 10 years ago, but that was a really wasted opportunity, right? Because I just said, nope, she's crazy. That's it. I'm out. And you can still end the friendship, right? And that was probably the right thing. That relationship was not the right thing for me. But I missed a huge opportunity because I gave all the power away to her. She's the one that's right. And that's what we do. When you give away the responsibility, you give away your power. So Mm -hmm. it feels counterintuitive, but the strongest move you can make is say what, especially when the person's behaving really badly is like, but what's my responsibility? How could I have shown up better? What could I have done differently? Again, doesn't mean that relationship's going to continue, but there's always things to be learned. So when we're in these friendships, whether they're really good or really bad, right? I'm assuming you're going to say that we should always kind of be thoughtful about them. Like even if a friendship's going really well, we want to stay thoughtful about it. How do we kind of place value into the friendships we have that are going well so that they don't kind of take a turn and become shitty? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think the idea is not to be complacent in any of these relationships. Obviously, some of them are going to take a little bit less work because they seem to be going well. But I think that the check-in is just with the way you're is constantly checking in with how you're feeling in all of these relationships. And if you're feeling pretty good, I mean, you might want to do a check-in on how the other person's feeling. Right. But I mean, I, there is a lot of, you know, nonverbal stuff that I think you can, that is almost enough. It's just the paying attention to that's the action there, right? Mm-hmm. There doesn't have to be constant dialogue if the relationship's really good, going well. The thing is, you just want to be paying attention that the relationship is going well. That's the thing, keeping your eye on the ball here, right? So I have a um, friendship quiz in, in, I can't think it's at the end of chapter eight, maybe in the book. And I actually, after writing the whole book, I realized that I hadn't talked to my absolute best friend. Like I'd interviewed all these people. Oh my God. And so that's the thing. It's like, right. Cause this relationship's going really well, but I'm not even thinking about it. And right. it's like, so on the one hand, great. Like this is so, we're so subconsciously attuned. I don't even need to think about you. But that's also a problem, right? Because Mm. you don't want the good stuff to become an afterthought. 
Right. And that's what can often happen, especially if you're involved with more than one friendship that's not working. All of your energy is being kind of sucked into these things. And then the good stuff ends up being neglected. So this friendship quiz, I was like, you know what? I've got to bring Sophie into this book. I'm actually going to have her come and we're going to do this friendship quiz together. So she was like, okay. She like showed up to my office. She was like eight months pregnant. She flopped down on the sofa and I was like, okay, here. And I printed this out and I did it with her. And it was the most incredible experience because even though I feel like I know her inside and out, like it brought up some really good stuff. Like one of the questions in the quiz is when was the last time you were irritated with me and didn't say anything? Why didn't you say anything? This and is like so stressing she, me out. I, know, I can't even think about asking this to a, my friend. You know what? It's really actually good practice Yeah, with somebody that you're in a very good relationship with. Yeah. Because that's going to be the most supportive, like, you know, totally. you're hoping that they don't bring out like, Oh, the big one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- you, I think you know, like generally totally. you've got like one or two super good friends that are, things are going well. It is really so in – it's such a good exercise just to practice saying these things and to thinking right. this way. And so if you do it in like a really like support – you know, again, I did this with my best friend, but it's a great place to start. And I then there are some- – there's some questions like, what is the thing that you love about me the most? What is the thing that you love about this relationship the most? So it's like also just good to remember like, oh, right. This is like, yes, this there's so much yes here, you know, for me and for you and like blah, blah, blah. So it's actually really – you don't start doing that quiz with somebody you're really not getting. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it with someone who I'm in a really good place with, but I love that idea. And again, I feel like this is something they tell you to do in relationships with your partner. Totally. You know, probably more frequently with your partner, like once a week, do your check in. What do I love? Like, blah, blah, blah. But we don't give the time to our friends. And I do think sometimes, like, with the resentment that builds, it almost kind of makes the majority of the breakups really dramatic. Because you think, and I'm curious to know your opinion, I do think that certain friend breakups can be really good and Mm -hmm. necessary. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they all need to be super dramatic. Um, and if two people are, you go, cause I know you have a thought. Yeah, no, I was going to say like, here's the thing you can, a lot of this is not necessarily about going through your contact list with a machete and just cutting people out. What it is being really clear on who's in your life, what relationships are working for you and which are maybe going transitionally. And then maybe some are just absolutely not working. And the people that are, the relationships that are absolutely not working, well, then there's probably something you have to do something with, right? right? Unless you both just understand that this isn't working and you're, it's okay to do a natural fade if both of you are on, have that same kind of unspoken, right? you know, understanding of what's happening. When you have to have conversations is when you're in one place and the other person doesn't understand and keeps trying to engage you. And so you're in this dynamic where it's like, I don't feel like hanging out with this person or engaging with this person. They're not getting the hint. And so it's like I'm constantly having to either say no to plans or not respond right. in a timely manner or then there's something to deal with, right? But if there isn't, then you it's fine to just float. That's not ghosting, right? If you just kind of naturally get out of it. But the idea is when you start being really clear on who's in your life and what, you know, relationships is not, is just to understand where do I want to put a lot of my energy, Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things are not, again, about like axing people off your list. It's about rearranging where you're going to put the energy. That's half the work. 
right? It's just being like cognizant of where you want to spend your energy and then kind of following that, right? A lot of the stuff falls into place once you have clarity of intention. So right now there's none of that. We don't do any of that. So it's like, that's where a lot of the conflict comes from because it's everybody's kind of grouped in the same thing. And there's no, so what do you just put all of your energy into everything? That's too exhausting, right? So the very first step is just getting clear on who's in your life and what feels right. And then starting to like, not to make an organizational chart. I'm not, you know. But do math, do the math, math. okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think it's funny that we're constantly kind of, I don't know, as a society, like you said, we're so, we're like information whores, right? Like we want it all, but we're kind of unwilling to ask the most simple questions to ourselves. Totally. So we want all of the high level shit. Like, how do I figure this out? This is what I want. And we move past, like you're talking about, which I love, we move past the very seemingly simple questions that need to be answered so that we can kind of access the high level information and then put it into practice. Right. Yeah. Which I think is like so beautiful and also a really good reminder, at least for me to hear, because I'm very much the same way where I'm like, okay, this is what's going on. I want to get it fixed. I want to get it done. Let's, you know, I've got shit to do. I'm curious to know what you think about. I mean, I had a friend break. We had, she's my best friend and we are back together. We're totally in love. Well, we took a break and it was yeah. a very sad nine months, no talking. And we talk every single day. Yeah. She was having an issue with something that I was not doing or doing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of during like big political landscape, just a right. lot of stuff happening. Right. And she sent me a big, long message and I responded right. and was like, she's like, I need space. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. Take your space, do what you have right. to do. And I was very sad during that time. And then she came back to me nine months later and was like, I've taken my space. I talked to my mom. She told me I'm an idiot. We've been (laughs) friends since we were four. Let's have a phone call. And everything kind of worked out. Right. Do you think, I mean, I know it's possible. Yeah. It was actually so good for us. We needed time. It's it's just, that's the thing about being able to self-advocate, right? And say, I think we need this. Because if she didn't say that, cut to... Nine months after that, you guys are still in communication. And then there's a massive blow up that's hard to resolve, right? Right. But the ability to speak honestly with somebody and communicate needs, which it sounds like what she did, you, out of respect for the relationship, were able to mitigate feeling hurt in, in stewardship to the relationship and allowing space. This is a beautiful thing, right? This is a very mature once. And it's a testament to the strength of the relationship. You also do have to have a little bit of faith that if you can, that if you, you know, advocate for yourself and for the relationship and need to take space, that it could come back around when it's meant to come back around. And so that's another one of the real powerful things about, you know, taking risks and fighting for the relationship, even though it feels counterintuitive, you're taking a break, doesn't feel, might not feel like you're fighting for it, but you are, both of you fought for it. And, and so Absolutely. That can happen. When, so my next question, by the way, I didn't even ask you this. We can cut this out. Do you have a heart out? I don't want to waste your time. No. Okay. I won't take up too much of your time. Don't worry. We're like on here for three hours. I'm like using it as my personal therapy session. (laughs) Okay. So I'm really interested in this idea. I wrote this in the email I sent you. I don't know if you read it, which 
Mm. You might not know this. It's going to sound trivial, but I was really sick last week. And so I was pretty much binging every trash TV show I could find. Right, right. Of course, the first season of The Hills is on Netflix. I'm like, okay, I'll put it on. Heidi and Lauren are like going. I don't know. Do you know the like drama between you? Okay, you, so you, you feel me. So I'm watching this like in real time, which yeah. in real time, it's reality TV. I probably scripted, but this is like the biggest, this is like the first, the baby of reality TV is the yeah. totally. And they're the first friendship I think that we saw live kind of break yeah. down over a boy, which right. has broken down so many friendships. Right. And also I, I want to input, I want to add because, you know, it's 2023, you know, boss bitch, whatever, career, right? So we have our careers maybe that we're very attached to. So I'm watching Heidi and Lauren in this fight and Lauren sitting down with, I'm just, I need to know your opinion and I want to get your opinion on all of this, but she's sitting down with Heidi and she's like, I don't like Spencer. I'm never going to like him. I think he's an asshole. And Heidi's like, no, I love him. Like, I want you guys to be friends and blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know who was right in the situation. I literally was sitting there like I can understand both of their sides. I think Lauren's kind of dramatic. I don't really. So I'm just sitting here reeling and I'm literally like, I'm going to ask Aaron this question. I'm I'm like writing it down as I'm asking when our friends have a partner or a partner that is maybe we don't like or is taking up too much of their time. Do you feel like there is an appropriate response and or and then we can add on kind of like with career and people being really busy and maybe not nurturing the friendship as much as we think they should be nurturing it. I don't, we can split those up, but yeah, let's split them up because the boy, the romantic, the undesirable romantic partner is such a hotbed of like, I see this all the time, right? When people, everything. yeah, when, so there's a couple things. So it's so common if you're like, if you have a best friend and then they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and all of a sudden they kind of disappear, right? Or they're just not as available. And then there's a lot of big feelings around that. That's one scenario. The second scenario is they get a romantic partner and that partner, you don't like that partner. So those are two totally different scenarios. Okay. The first one is the the answer to the, well, not that I have the answers, but my recommendation <laughs> the first one is you have to be able to depersonalize a lot of this stuff, which is, again, feels counterintuitive because these are deeply personal relationships, right? But we have to leave space for the life of it all, right? You know, there are going to be, if a relationship is going to withstand the test of time, and this is why these relationships take work, right? There's going to be the first serious boyfriend or girlfriend. There's going to be the probably the first time they're in your career and you're just burning the midnight oil and this is a real top priority for you, you don't have bandwidth. You're going to get, you know, maybe have a child. That's like your whole world goes upside down. And so to be able to carry a friendship through these things, you really do have to make space for these different life things, right? And then also demand space for yourself if you need it when you're going through these things. And so, you know, the first thing is to be able, I think, to say, I'm feel really, I'm feeling so hurt. I'm feeling like so lonely because you're not here. And that's, I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad. I understand that you're going through this, but I just want to let you know how I'm feeling and I miss you and there's no guilt on that. But I can't wait to like when this settles and then we can reconnect. So I think to be able to, and it, 
And again, it doesn't have to be super, super heavy and like sit down, we need to talk, but it, and it's a very mature response to have, you know, to be able to, this is why this stuff needs practicing. So it becomes like second nature for us to be able to communicate in this way. But I think just being honest about that and understanding that if you want this relationship to go the distance, there's going to be plenty of opportunities that hiccups like this that are hard to deal with. The second case of not liking (laughs) the romantic partner is a lot trickier. You know, it depends the degree of, you know, how villainous the person is. And sometimes they're a bad seed and sometimes they're just somebody that you don't like, right? There's a big difference between those scenarios as well. And then, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of Spencer because he's been painted as both, (laughs) you know? Do you think he's a bad seed or do you think... Now I'm like, let's have a reality TV podcast, but I'm going to... Oh, you know, their relationship has kind of withstood the test of time. I agree. I mean, so... I know. And that's the thing. And that's the... So in interviewing a couple of people, women for the book, they literally had friend breakups over romantic partners that came into the mix. And both of the women that I interviewed were like, they're still together. Mm. I'm out, you know? And by the way, and I'm still missing that friendship. So you really have to take inventory. Like you're adults, just because you don't feel the person is right for that, your friend, I think you owe it to them to have an honest conversation and say, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying this because I care for you. I, you know, whatever your problem is with the person, but you've also got to empower them and say, but I'm willing to, I'm not going to bring this up. Right. Just like, I trust you. Yeah, I trust you. I just wanted to say my piece because if this all fell apart and you were left on the floor in tears, I would be kicking myself that I hadn't been honest. So right. I just want to put this out there and then you'll see, you'll get a whole, you'll probably get a big defensive response, honestly, because especially if the person's really into this guy, that's not going to feel good to hear. Right. Hopefully the strength of re- the relationship though will allow them to come back and say, I understand where you're coming from, but you're just going to have to trust me. And that's kind of, you need to make that agreement with this person. Right. And then if it becomes so big that you just can't, you know, you don't want to hang out with them, you either have to carve out time just one-on-one or you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision Mm -hmm. and say, you know, right now, like I'm going to take a step back from this because I don't want, you know, you got to do you and you got to see this to the, this thing to the end. It's just too difficult for me to have a front row seat to it. It's just, I don't feel good watching this. And so we need to take a pause just like, right. you, you know, but it's all through what your threshold, what you can take and what you should take. And every situation is really unique. Yeah. But I know in the two instances that I interviewed, they both ended up having big blowouts right. and they regret it. And yeah. as I said, both of those friends are with still with their now Partners. husbands and that the friendship has never gotten back on track. Yeah. And that can be really hard because then you feel wrong. <laughs> then your ego is bruised. Like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So it's a whole thing. I think it's thank you for answering with your opinion and your recommendation because I obviously trust you. I'm hiring you to be my therapist after this call. But I also loved what you said and I wanted to just mention this about depersonalization. I sometimes find, I, I've said this before, that I, I like to say like, you know, I'm I'm a pretty low maintenance friend, right? Like right. I try to kind of, de- I have my own life. Uh-huh. I understand my friends have their own lives. We're all adults. Right. And I think I can only get so personal and expect so much from somebody else to the point where I have to say, okay, 
now I got to let them live their life and I got to do me and they got to do them. But I love the phrasing of kind of depersonalizing it and saying, you know, like this, I don't know, it just can't mean everything to me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So so often this behavior is not even, it has nothing to do with you. Right. And just watching how we you know, I see all the time, and I think you kind of said something like this at the very beginning when you were talking to your, when you're talking, I think you said when you're talking to your therapist, but I, all the time people come in and they say, and this is what, you know, I got this text and da, 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 and they go off on these whole things. And I go, but did she say that to you? Or then they'd be like, no, but I know her. I know. Right. And there's this entire story that's and narrative that's created that I was like, but that I'm telling you objectively, I'm looking at this and there's you've, there's none of what you just said is here. Like, right. Right. And so often when the person then, and I encourage them to say, can you check in and say, you know, get clarity on this? Like, there's nothing wrong with asking for clarification on something, right? It right. just matters to you. Right. It's 99%. They've made the whole thing about them. And she's sending me this like this. And I know that it has nothing to do with them. It's like Mm -hmm. there's some stressful thing at work or an illness in the family or, you know, she got whatever. And it's like we spend so much time creating these things, making them about us. It's just rarely about rarely. So we've got to remember like that to depersonalize a lot of this stuff, which is really hard to do. I also had one more quick thought. Please. <laughs> Back to the um Spencer Heidi. The Spencer Heidi thing. <laughs> the one of the most important things that one can do in that situation is really look at yourself first and say why am I having these big emotions about this guy? Is he really a piece of shit or am I Jealous that I don't have a partner? Am I jealous that I don't have the feel this way in my relationship? Am I jealous that I don't have a relationship? Does this guy, is he's not a piece of shit? Does he remind me of somebody that, you know, somebody in grade seven that was a total asshole to me and now I'm being triggered, like subconsciously triggered Mm. by this guy? There's so many things that could be going on that start with you. And that's not for you to take the blame, but it's like, we don't ever look at this. It's just like, I don't like him. We all, I need more than that. If you're willing to put the relationship on the line for this, you've got to have done a lot more self-work, self-analysis, look at what's going on here. You know, is it that your stepdad, you know, talked that way to your mom, and but he's not your stepdad. And this did, she's not your mom. And right. So being able to really parse this out. And then in the end, you could be like, no, actually, I've thought about that. And he has, I do feel like, intuitively he is a piece of shit. Okay. Now what do I do with this? Right. Right. But you can't, I wouldn't bring this up to the other person. You're the friend until you've done all of looked at all of those scenarios, all of the potential scenarios of why you could be feeling a certain way, because it's rarely a direct line. I feel like in summary, so much of this starts with us, like you said, and I, I know this is in your book and everyone, now we all need to buy the book and go to the end of chapter eight and take the friendship quiz. But I do think it's all at the end, it all comes back to like the quote self work that we're so obsessed with doing, yet we're still having these friendship problems. And we're, but we're like, but why? Right. Because it's not, we're not doing the self work. Right. Exactly. That's exactly why. So it's a book about relationships that's really about the individual. Mm. I love it. (laughs) And that's that. Mic drop. (laughs) What's your favorite thing to do with your friends? I want to ask you just like last question. I always like to ask somebody just like, What's your favorite thing to do with your friends? You know, I, let's see. As an introvert. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I like to do, like, 
One of my favorite things to do is like go, so like have a shared experience where you don't really need to interact that much. So like go to a concert, go to a stand-up show, go to a movie. So it's like you're together and energetically, like I'm feeling like connected and we're having this shared experience, but it's not also just like talking because that's like very tiring for me and I'm a little guarded and it's like, I would rather have, you know, my revelations come out in a much less like direct, like energetic way. You know, I love it. Exactly. Yeah. I find that with, with making new friends, I just moved to a new city and making new friends. It's like so exhausting because I do feel like there has to be this kind of initial conversation. And then I end up oversharing every fucking time. Right. Every time I'm like, and then this happened with my mom. And so now we're not really talking right now. And I can just see their eyes like widen. I'm like, oh, fuck. But I end up like oversharing and then I leave feeling super exhausted, super vulnerable. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that again. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll just stick to the friends I have, but I don't really have any friends here. So then I'm just sitting on the phone with my friends, not talking, but we're on the phone together. Right, right. I I very much understand that. But I think making new friends, that can be kind of difficult. It's super difficult. It's the last chapter of the book, and it's very important, especially very important coming out of the pandemic. There's so many people feeling isolated. So many people are now working almost still exclusively from home. So it's like the world of these people have gotten smaller and smaller, haven't worked on the muscles of how to get back out there and socialize properly. So it's a real problem. We just need to think differently about it. It's like, again, like to to kind of dovetailing off of the romantic relationship, like after you a breakup and you've, you know, take whatever time you need to take to get, you know, back in fighting shape or whatever, you know, what do you do? Like what was the the normal person, right? Goes, you know, once you feel ready, you're like, you announce it to all of your friends. I'm back on the market. I'm literally put it into the universe. You then digitally put this into the universe. You sign yourself up all the apps and all your send your picture out here i am you're communicating on what you know let's say you go to a work event or you're meeting a girlfriend you go to a bar the, or a restaurant the first thing you do is look around the space anybody anybody i'm curious about anybody and that kind of mentality again these are just energetic things right it's just like i am literally energetically putting out there that i want friends that I want a new friend, a new set of friends, a new, like if you move to a new city. So approaching it with the same energy, literally saying to your friends, do you know anybody that has moved to the city that I am? Could you ask around? Do you know? Because, you know, that kind of thing, like putting that out there. If you're somebody who likes to jog, right? Instead of jogging around the block, find a running club you can go to once a month. You don't have to be doing it every time you jog, but once a week, once a month, put yourself in situations where you know you have at least one thing in common with the person. I mean, the group of people. And then be curious. Anybody here I'm maybe interested in, right? So just again, starting to open up energetically to these situations. Got a dog? Don't just walk them around the block. Find a dog park, you know, that's Mm -hmm. close to you got at least one thing in common. You guys like dogs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Pick up a wall, throw it over, you know? So it's really kind of practicing, just putting there's, it feels so weird. Like 
I need friends. It sounds like loserish, right? But it's not. This is just self-advocating. Hey, I want, I need some friends. I've looked at my starting lineup. I've got some holes. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. only you can identify what those holes are. Go out and get them, right? And start mm-hmm. with the energy about it. Be curious in every room you walk into. Anybody here that like platonically I'm attracted to? Right. Right. But you're it's a simple thing. But if you don't turn that switch on, you're kind of just in this. You're not open. And when you're not open, people don't aren't drawn to you. Right. Okay. My last question, because I have to know what you think about this. So let's say I go out with a new friend and Uh like it was fine. It was like a good coffee date or whatever. And I like didn't feel it. I like wasn't feeling it. Maybe we got one or two more times, just like not for me, but they're feeling it and they want to be my friend and they're texting me. Do you ghost? Do you? I I would not ghost. I would say it's been so great getting to know you. I misread my bandwidth. I am so slammed. Whatever. I mean, you could be totally honest and be like, listen, I'm just not vibing with you. Oh my God. Which is probably, I'm like, that's the dream scenario for me. Like in 10 years, if we're all doing this, yeah, like in okay. the way we're doing this with romantic relationships, I would be. Right. So that's stoked. what I'm It seems I would so be crazy so to me. That right. seems crazy to me to say to a friend, yet after first dates, I have a thousand percent said that. But I'm like, oh my God, I could never say that to another person who I go on a friend date with. Right. But in the, but why not? You know what I right. mean? Honestly, we're not a hundred percent there yet, but that should be the goal. Okay. It really should be just honest interaction. We don't want to waste anybody's time. You've got to feel it. You know what I mean? And yeah. you don't spend, you go on three friend dates with somebody and then you spend six months trying to ghost them or get out of it. Again, it's just math. That is an equation that doesn't balance. Right. Life is chaotic and short and we should be able to say, you know, I had a really great time, but I just don't think I have capacity for this relationship right now. You know? Love it. Simple. Boom. Easy. Boom. Okay, tell people where they can find you if you have anything coming up. Obviously, everyone who's listening to this better buy the book, but (laughs) where can everybody find you? You can find the book wherever books are sold, basically. Amazon, indie booksellers, Barnes & Noble. You can find me at my blog, pickthebrain.com, or you can find me on social at Erin Falconer or at pickthebrain on all of the major handles. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank this was you an so incredible much. conversation. Really fun. Thank you so much. <laughs>